So we're looking tonight again at John chapter 14. I was teaching on that this morning, and if you would like to go back and listen to the sermon, it's on the website this morning. Tonight, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and but I'm not going to go so deep that uh, you're wondering where I'm going. I want to talk about the Father, the Father God. I don't know what, what, how you relate to God. It, it doesn't matter um, how we refer to God. I think that the, the proper way of speaking to God is to pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. I don't think God is pedantic, so I think if we slightly get things in a different order, that's okay, particularly when we're praying informally and praying to Jesus, that's okay. But somebody asked me a question once, how well do you know each member of the Trinity? It was quite an arresting sort of question. Do you know the Father? Do you know the Son? Do you know the Spirit? Each one is equal. Each one is, is God. God's one in three persons. Now, as we come into this, this section of John's Gospel, these, these last hours before Jesus went to the cross, he is teaching them about his Father. He's always speaking about his Father. He's been doing this throughout John's Gospel. In fact, John's Gospel, more than any other part of the Bible, teaches us about the, the relationship between the Father and the Son. We would think that by now, after three years, the disciples would be quite far on. In, a, in, in about 50 days' time or you know, just over a month's time, you know, they will be the leaders of the church. And even in this passage, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Talk about cramming for your finals. This is like just before they're about to embark on that great mission as, as apostles, and they're still not really understanding things. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So the second I'm not very sure comment in this dialogue is from Philip. He says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. So I want to just launch from there. Talk about our need for home. Why is it that people have a longing for home? 
people who have been made homeless. It's not just the fact that you are um, short of resources. There's a psychological effect of being sort of separated from all that support. And I think that if we look, if we look at the human being without God, it's a bit like being homeless. And in this passage, Jesus says, I go and prepare a home for you, an eternal home for you. And that is what he's speaking to, to these disciples who are, who are anxious because he's, separate, he's going to be separated from them. He's going to the cross. They're getting all distressed. And he's giving that reassurance, I'm going to give you a home, an eternal home. And that must have been so comforting to hear these words. And the way he's going to prepare that home is by going to the cross. And without going to the cross, they cannot go to be with the Father. He has to go to the cross first. He has to die for them. And then Philip says these amazing words, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. It's quite an incredible word, enough. It can also be translated satisfied or fully sufficient. You know, there's a wonderful verse in the Bible that says to the person that's suffering, who asks and prays three times for this suffering to go. And God replies, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and what Philip is saying here is if, if we were to know the Father, that would be enough. That, that, would, that would satisfy fully. And Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is showing the Father all through his whole ministry. And one of the things tonight as we come to this communion table, I just want you to think about how the greatest way that Jesus showed the Father was through his death on the cross. You know, all these all these things that Jesus did in his earthly life, and he kept saying, you know, as he fed the 5,000, as he, as he did these healings, as he drove out demons, as he gave tremendous encouragement, tremendous wisdom, he said that I only do what pleases the Father, that the Father is at work through me. But his greatest work was to die on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he gave glory to the Father. In fact, Jesus, in, in John chapter 12, he says that now the hour has come. He's talking about the time that he's been waiting for all his life. 
The, the reason he came into the world was to, to die on the cross. He says, that time is now. And he says that that is the time when he will glorify the Father God. We turn to John 17, because again, it's important to see the sequence of teaching all the way through from 13 to 17. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said this, and he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Some of you may have seen this before, but some of you may have never thought about this before. The extent to which Jesus is always talking about this cooperation between him and the Father. And yesterday at Messy Church, we were learning about Jonah and how Jonah was, was angry because God was compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. And where do we learn that the most in all of Scripture? We learn it most of all in the cross. The, and, and, and the gospel is telling us that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that he gave his only son. It's actually the Father's initiative. Why is this important? Because I'm sure that you've heard many times people preaching that, that Jesus was punished in our place. Have you ever heard that before? You've probably heard that many times. And it says in, it, it says in uh, Isaiah 53 that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And when we think about Jesus hanging on the cross and even crying out, Psalm 13, Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some people have made a great error and they have separated the Father from the Son. Almost as if God is punishing a third party. And that's why it's desperately important 
to understand that God the Father and God the Son are completely united. We see in this John 14, the answer to Philip's question, show us the Father. Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been you, among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So when Jesus does his miracles, it's the Father at work in the Son. When Jesus speaks, it's, it's, it's the word of the Father through the Son. And the most amazing thing of all is that when Jesus dies on the cross, God is in Christ on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5 is all about reconciliation. This is Apostle Paul's teaching about this great work that Jesus came to do. It's what he is telling the disciples about. He's saying that that you can know the Father, that you can have this close, intimate relationship with the Father, but I, I need to go to the cross before that can happen. The Apostle Paul, reflecting on this years later, he says these words. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. From, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself in Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Literally, that verse says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Is an easier way of explaining this. Let's go back to the first slide, Mike. A picture is sometimes easier than a concept. Isn't that a beautiful picture? A picture of reconciliation. 
painted by, by Rembrandt, and it hangs in St. Petersburg, in the cathedral there. And just to even gaze at that picture and think about the love of Father God. There was a man called Henri Nguyen who did that. He spent a whole day underneath that picture in St. Petersburg. And he wrote a book called The Return of the Prodigal Son. It's the greatest story that Jesus ever told. Luke chapter 15. About the, the son, the wayward son who is reconciled to the father. I just want to read to you the turning point in that story. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. When God is, through Jesus Christ, is explaining salvation, this is his greatest story. And it's all about the Father. And have you noticed in John's Gospel, when you, when you read it afresh now, I hope you'll just be listening out for his references to the Father, because it's all over the place. He just wants us to know how merciful and gracious his Father is. And it was the Father's plan to send Jesus to the cross. Another artist is, is this one here, Charlie Mackesy. And the words behind that painting are the words of Luke chapter 15. The very words that I've read to you. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. This, this picture of reconciliation. God reconciling the world to himself. This is how Jesus explained it. And it's all about the heart of the Father. So the final point then is that the cross the cross glorifies both the Father and the Son. That we look at the cross and we, you know, could, could, we, could we just take time tonight to just, perhaps not to sit in front of this painting, but to, as it were, just sit and and gaze in our imagination at the great love that it, 
in God's heart to send His only Son, the one that He was so close to for, for all eternity. But in order to bring us close to Him, He had to be separate from His Son. As, as Jesus took all the, all the condemnation for all of our sins upon Himself. I can't explain it very well. You know that. I'm trying my best. But these things are mysteries. These things are not easily explained. But we get glimpses. That's why Charles Wesley said, "'Tis mystery all, the immortal dies, who can explore his strange design. Tis mystery all, the immortal dies." That is the cross. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me. God dying, the author of life, the immortal dies. That's how much he wants to be in relationship with us. He could do no more And the, and the the fruit of that is that he comes and makes his home in our hearts. John fourteen twenty three, same chapter. That we will, the Father and the Son will come and make their home in our hearts. But to reflect tonight on our our need for that relationship with God, our need for that security, our need for that answer to the problem of loneliness. Even in the same chapter, John 14, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Is there anyone who, who understands better than God himself the problem of loneliness? the problem of bereavement. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will make my home in you. And if the the answer to the, the greatest human problem is this problem of the homelessness of the human heart, that longing for home, that longing for for a father, and God meets that need perfectly. But look at what it cost him. And I repeat again, these things are very, very hard to explain. But they're there in Scripture. And we need to believe them and worship in response. 
and give him all the glory. We're going to sing again. I cast my mind 